the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. All right. Good evening, everyone. Glad you're with us here in the middle of May. And um, this, this is my son's birthday. I just thought that. You, you know Sean, right? Yeah. yeah. Dr. Al Johnson is with me here in the studio, a good friend, a co-laborer, one of our uh, teammates out at Lackland Air Force Base with the basic trainees going through the uh, their basic training boot camp for the Air Force. Uh, tell you a little bit about Alden, um, Alden Johnson, Dr. Johnson. He's an optometrist and uh, a, a Bible scholar I have discovered over the years. We've been friends for a long time. Uh, he's taught the scriptures. He's been a professor. I mean, there's. I'm not sure there are many professions that you haven't been. Do you just get fired a lot, or is that the, what's no, the deal? I, I'm just eclectic. I'm just eclectic. I, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do when I grow up. Yeah, he gets curious about stuff. He's. I always have to tell him. Don't you remember what curiosity did with the cat? You know, he's he's got a, a, a an inquiring mind for sure. The Dr. Johnson is with us here, and. Um, I'm going to have to be gone sometime this summer. Suzanne and I will have to go north. Uh, we're going to attend the Campus Crusade or the Crew Ministries uh, staff conference. Up, uh, I believe it's in Wisconsin this year, later this summer. And so I uh, wanted to get some folks from our team that who know the ropes and can maybe sit in for us as we continue to make our way through the Scriptures and uh, Dr. Johnson uh, raised his hand first, so <laughs> not really. But I, I, we've known each other so long, it finally dawned on me, hey, wow, he could do this. You know, he really enjoys the Word, the Scriptures. Now, the the the, the thing I want to say to you, that those of you who may be listening to the Bible Live for the first time here on the radio, is that this is a program about the Bible. Primarily, it's giving you an opportunity, every people everywhere, the opportunity to actually hear the entire Bible, every verse, every chapter, every book of the Bible, every year. We've been doing this for 20 years now, over 20 years. Um, right there on the first page, you, you see the readings for a given week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You click on, if it's Tuesday, you click on Tuesday, and uh, out, out of your car speakers or your cell phone or your apparatus, whatever you're using to be online. You can hear it uh, at work, at your computer, at home, 
uh, wherever you are, uh, you can hear this 15 to 20 minute, 20 minute reading from the scriptures and the entire Bible every year. We are, our reading schedule is laid out for you at thebiblelive.com. And uh, you can, like I say, you can hear, you can go back and hear any readings you want from any place in the Bible. There on the website, you can find all of the readings and pick the one you want. But right there on the front page are the readings if you'd like to. Here on Sunday evening, we get a chance to review the passages that we read this past week, and that's Acts chapter four through sixteen are the chapters of the book of Acts in the New Testament. That we that's where we are presently. We finished up what we do. We go through Old Testament straight through in the New Testament. We kind of alternate back and forth between the Old and New Testaments and read straight through them both. And at the end of a year, we've come back around the horn and we've um, read the entire Bible and we pick it up and do it again. So we, wherever you start with us, if you were to start this week and you want to start with the book of Acts, well, next year at this time, you would have re- read the, heard the entire Bible, read it through with us. And we would have studied through the scriptures. Now, on our website, you can find all the readings and you can find uh, as well. There are study questions laid out for you on the uh, website that you can go to a given week. There's a group of usually about 30 to 40 questions having to do with the readings that week. Uh, scripture reading, and then we read a narrative read from one of the books of the Bible. The, uh, as I said, now we've gone through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and we'll be going back when we finish the Book of Acts. We'll be going back to the first and second books, which were originally one book, the Book of the Chronicles. But we'll go back to that the Book of History uh, and the Chronicles. So, uh, we've finished up the books of First and Second Kings uh, last week, and then came forward to the New Testament, picking up. This also is a book of history, transition between the life and ministry, the death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah. And now we are seeing the after effects of that world changing, uh, history changing event. Uh, the, the, the church is born uh, out of about the book of Acts here right at the season of the National Day of Prayer. Uh, when we are celebrating the power and the and the incredible privilege we have as God's people to pray to God and know that He hears us and that He acts on our behalf, so we can uh, we kind of we kind of adapted our readings so that they fit very well with our national calendar as well. The Christmas, Easter, National Day of Prayer, uh, Labor Day, whatever days, even on Halloween, we're reading the book of. Revelation, learning about real ghosts and uh, real spirits, not not just uh, uh, those we've made up. So anyway, that's our that's what we do, and I I say all that so that you'll understand what the program is about, what our our heart and our passion is for the scriptures. To let you know that basically we're more about the scriptures. It's not about Doctor High Voltage or someone coming along. A soapy dollar is certainly no Doctor High Voltage. But I've been loving the scriptures and reading and teaching this 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 Bible for probably sixty years of my life, and just just I'm fascinated by and enthralled by the scriptures. And so I love to be a part of helping to Beaver already and have many years in the logged in the scriptures or maybe a brand new person who you maybe not even yet sure about your own relationship to God and what place you want to give to the God of the Bible uh, you've heard about this old book the Bible and you but you've not re- read it or or your knowledge of it is made up purely of just 
anecdotal stuff that people have told you. Well, then we're giving you a chance to actually hear the Bible itself, word for word, and you make up your own mind. You can ask her all the questions you want. If we don't know the answer, we'll try to be very honest and tell you that. But I, I say that because that's the core of this program is the Bible itself. And, and um, so if Dr. Johnson here, if Al can help or Soapy or, or Stacy, we're ready to pitch in and share a little bit of our own, our own experiences at least, what we've learned, what we've uh, come up with. And, and our listeners can join in as well and give their thoughts. And uh, so if you have a thought or a question or comment about the Scriptures, our phone line is open all for the next 90- 210-340-9585. is our phone number. We'd love to have you call in with a comment, with a question, uh, an observation that you have made. Uh, and particularly now we're in the book of Acts, but you can ask a Comment on any passage you want in the scriptures, but uh, we'll be looking at what we read this past week. Now, this coming week, we'll pick up at chapter um, 16 and move on forward. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of this coming week, we will use to finish up the book of Acts. And then on Friday, we'll go back, as I said, to the books of First and Second Chronicles in the Old Testament. We'll be telling you about those books and what what the background, the history, the author, the writing, the dates involved, and then we'll get into the content as well. And as always, my lovely daughter, uh, Stacy, is with us. And I don't guess uh, the grandbaby is with you right now, right, Stace? <laughs> you, would, you would probably know if she was. <laughs> she would be saying hi in yeah, her own yeah. way. Make, ha- uh, having no, her radio debut, not. right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, she's she's asleep. Okay. Yay. So <laughs> yeah, that's very, right. Very quiet. <laughs> Real quiet, everybody. Yeah. Um, no, she's yeah. she's in bed. So. If you do call good. in, folks, remember the baby on board here. We got to <laughs> no. so keep it quiet. All right. <laughs> anyway, well, Stacy, uh, the book of Acts. We've gotten started. We got started a little bit yeah. last week. We introduced approach this. It's an amazing book. It really is. What what kind of goes through your mind in general about the book sure. of Acts? Well, it's exciting. I mean, there's all and and I think um, a part of me kind of. I get a little bit, uh, I hold my breath a little bit, um, which is ironic because the Holy Spirit is breath. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, but I hold my, uh, hold my breath um, because it's also the um, burgeoning church, the beginning of sort of the church kind of coming together and being organized. And that, for some reason, feels stressful to me. <laughs> um, but I, it's amazing. And of course, it happens at the same time, though, that God's Spirit indwells and that comes. And it just reminds me of how the reason I kind of get anxious at just the thought of organizing the church is because um, any time, you know, a people group and it, it, it's, it tends to, whenever we organize and whenever we try to kind of uh, uh, come together, it, it's, it's stress. There's drama. There's. Uh, it breaks down. There's only so long that it can last because we're humans, right? And it feels impossible. And this is, we're not alone in it. And we've given the Holy Spirit. And it just reminds me of what a miracle that is, the body of Christ. In this, especially, you know, in this new age, um, in this age of the Holy Spirit, 
um, after the resurrection. And so I, and then, uh, yeah, those are kind of the two, I don't know, this might seem a little random, but um, just, yeah, Acts is exciting, though. It's um, it's, it's exciting. Uh, and it also, I think the other thing that um, I'm always surprised by, I guess, is just how did anybody live without how did how did we how did we get here? How did they get to that moment without the Holy Spirit? Um, and what a gift I guess it is now yeah. to you know, to have that reminder that He is with us. Um, but I'm uh, always yeah. struck with you know, how did they not yeah. have there <laughs> without the the Holy Spirit was there? Right. Yes. I, and I know you know right. that I'm not. The, the mm-hmm. Spirit was engaged. Yeah. The Spirit of God was in. I mean, we see that all through the Hebrew Scriptures. But yes. clearly, uh-huh. in, in the book of Acts, Jesus himself, the Messiah, relationship between the people of God mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit. It's, and he announced it to his disciples. I don't think they understood what he meant. I don't. I, I kind of get the idea from reading the Scripture there that that they didn't, it didn't register with them. They, they, they couldn't comprehend the difference that it would make, but Jesus announced it to them. Uh, and, and actually, he uh, using the book of Joel and other Old Testament passages, it's clear that mm-hmm. uh, afterwards, when, when Peter stands up and preaches in Acts chapter 2, he talks about these promises from the book of Joel. Um, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. I'm reading from Acts chapter 2. So this was... This was there in their scriptures to know and understand, and they know the words. They could read the words, but it—it's between the concept and the idea, the words of it, and the, when it really—they—they they didn't know kind of what it would be like in real time, and that was—that was the yeah. thing that was struggling. So the Holy Spirit's been here, but it, it, yeah, one of the one of the important factors to look at when you read the the book of Acts is there is this new thing taking place. The, what Jesus told him was going to happen. I'm I have to go away, guys. I gotta I gotta go away. I have to leave. Why? So the Father will send the Holy Spirit. There's this new age, this new era of time, and we'll take that apart in a little bit. If one of our listeners likes to call in, I'd lo- I'd love to hear uh, one of our listeners talk a little bit about what what difference, what was the difference now uh, after Jesus ascended? What was the difference in the way the Holy Spirit related to His people? Yeah, uh, I'd like to hear mm-hmm. from some of our listeners. If you'd like to give us a call, uh, someone I'm sure, maybe one of our pastors, even or someone that would like to talk about. We don't, you know, we don't catch it. Folks don't get it and understand the historical upheaval, the the, the incredible earthquake that took place now when the Messiah ascends to heaven and the Father sends His Spirit now. Uh, on every believer. Now, that is, we're giving you a little bit of a hint there, but if you'd like to give us a call, I'd love to hear from you about the difference that was that came about at when Jesus had finished his work, his re- part of the redemptive plan uh, on the cross and rose from the dead, was raised and then ascended to the Father. What what was the the difference, the main difference that that happened in the way the relationship 
with God's Spirit and the people of God. I'd love to hear from you. 210 340 Let me bring you into this a little bit. When you think of the book of Acts, of course, it's got some there's some major theological themes, but yet there, the the way it plays out on the ground is in verse eight. It says Jesus Himself says He's giving them a heads up. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. The Father has authority, and then He says, "But you will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be My witnesses, telling people about Me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." And we think of that as just sort of hyperbole or, you know, kind of big. But exact that is, to be, to be honest, that is just an outline of the book of Acts. Because the whole rest of the book is going to be how they, starting there in Jerusalem, thousands of believers are there in Jerusalem. They heard Jesus teach. They, heard, they, they saw his ministry. And now uh, they, they know he was crucified. And now it's been announced he raised, he's gone, he's raised from the dead. And, 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 you know, that, that could be disproved. It wasn't like this. they went off into some far-off land or waited, you know, a hundred years later to say it. Just a few weeks before, they had they knew this man had been crucified and killed. And so, the, and they know his grave was about 15-minute walk from downtown uh, Jerusalem. So they definitely could could check it out. Did he raise from the dead or not? So this all, it, you're kind of caught between the incredible global, you know, planetary impact of God's plan for the whole humanity, but it actually has to take place in real time and space, in a real moment, uh, in real people, uh, who's, and, and it raises, of course, a, another key question here. What would you think is the difference between a movement and uh, an organization? Because you, you said you know, the church, we're entering into what is called the age of the church, the, the church host, the church uh, age. And, and the, the thing about the book of Acts is this, this is a movement. This is not just some organizational thing, the promotional thing that somebody right. put together and we're going to, we're going to have these groups and we're going to spread and we're going to expand to this group. And, you know, this is not a, this is a movement that is riding away from the Roman empire lived in poverty and were enslaved in bondage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, the yeah. hunger, the thirst for God and to know about God to ultimate meaning of life and so on was there, uh, that had been prepared through the Greek time of the Greeks. Now into the Roman empire, the people were hungry for, for answers and, and in and, and even in the Jewish world, there was this longing for the Messiah that to come. So, so right in this this perfect moment, comes uh, the Messiah comes. Uh, now he's not what they expected, mm-hmm. and we can talk about what was the difference. Uh, not necessarily what they expected, but but those who were looking, those who knew the scriptures and were knew what to look for, they. Boy, they, this was the most thrilling thing that could possibly happen, and it just spread yeah. the, the characters. You have the apostles. You have Philip, one of the apostles. He meets this Ethiopia, Ethiopian a Jewish who's, who's a convert to Judaism. He knows the true and living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he knows about the Messiah, but he's puzzled about Jesus and the Messiah, and, and God miraculously puts Philip out there to, to tell him to explain it to him and 
So then the Philippian eunuch goes back to his home country, and he's full of this wonderful news about the Messiah has come to take it back to his folks. So it, it's just, it's an astounding book, but but the primary difference is this is this is a movement, a movement of God among humanity in a perfect yeah. moment of need and excite. So it's it can't be explained just entirely organizationally. And yeah. you know, that's when the church tends to get kind of organize the Holy <laughs> Spirit out of things. Uh but yeah. here here this this is well, a this is a wildfire going across yeah. where where the truth of gonna... God meets the needs of humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Go well, I'm going to, you asked the di- what what I think is the difference between a movement and an organization. Dr. Johnson, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to, I'm going to throw that question to you though. <laughs> um, because, so what, uh, yeah, what, I guess I have some thoughts on it, but what did you think? What do you think, Al? Well, I, I don't know. I haven't thought this through very well, so I'll be on the fly. <laughs> uh, organizations have charts and lines of authority and who reports to who, except these apostles were recognized as leaders and they were empowered by the Holy Spirit and then with Paul's journeys you asked, I didn't get a chance to answer this question about my thoughts on Acts mm-hmm. I, I'm in, intrigued by the fact that it's, it's a book of history of the early church we went for 400 mm-hmm. years where the last prophet in the Old Testament spoke and then it was quiet for oh, that was Malachi years. and then Jesus arrives on the scene and for 30 years afterwards, we had nothing until we got the New Testament writers writing about Jesus. Acts is one of those books written by one of the uh, saints, if you will, Luke. Yeah, he's the only uh, Gentile author in the New Testament. But, um, so he wrote the book, the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. So this ties together the people that and he's a doctor by the way you yeah, should have a kinship with yeah, well, I, dr I, luke i, I do he told okay me everything i know <laughs> <laughs> Go, i'm sorry keep going so so luke has a, been no kind of mentions that when he writes the book of luke to theophilus and he makes that mention in acts that hey look i'm trying to speed this thing up and get this thing to you so you know what's going on so Go ahead, keep going. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I <laughs> the fact that it's a book of history, I'm not. I'm not here anymore. You go, keep talking. Okay. That's radio. Just keep talking. Just keep talking. <laughs> the, the red light <laughs> is too long. Oh, so I can, you we keep can talking. hear you. Okay. Uh-huh. We're about we ready to take a break, but something, go ahead and finish your something, thought. Something changed in my ears. That's all. Okay. So, uh, the book of Acts then is a book of Paul and Silas and Barnabas going on these mission turn, journeys, and. A, a history of where these churches were planted, and then we find out about seven of those churches in the book of Revelation. So I look at the book of Acts as a book of history, although mm-hmm. most of the Old Testament to me is history. And when I was a student in school, I hated history. Really? But I'm today, surprised. But today I am. That is surprising. I am a, a, a astute historian. I re, I'm a real good um, student of Acts when. When Luke is writing, he's been attributed, or uh, it's, he has been um, given credit for being an extraordinarily historian. Yeah. And now the dates, times, places, names—he gives data that makes it easy to find out from other secular sources, other historical records of that era and time. He gives lots of information that allows us then to demonstrate clearly that the truth. 
the veracity of what he's saying and the reliability of it, yes. And he was But he was not an apostle. Right. I mean, so he's gathering as a historian. He's talking to people. He's writing based on interviews with people. And so so I, I love the fact that it's a, it's a live narration of what went on in the early church. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. and, yeah. And it, and it is... It is just chaotic enough to be on that level of, of, of a movement. This, this, you can see this is, uh, God announces, you're gonna be, Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. So we know there's a little order to it, but the way God has to force them out of Jerusalem, for, for example. With it, it was the death of, of Stephen and the, and the persecution that picked up Judea, Samaria, and then Gilliam to the uttermost parts of the world. So that's why it's called the used to be called the Acts of the Apostles, but it's more correctly called the, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. He is moving. God is doing something in and through and with his people. And it's just an exciting moment to see. And it makes me jealous because I want God to do it again in our era, in our time. And folks, from what I hear, he just might be doing it. We can talk about that when we come back from our break. This is The Bible Live. We're looking at the book of Acts tonight as we make our journey through the scriptures. Give us a call if you'd like, 210-340-9585. We'll be right back. listening to the bible live with soapy dollar Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the Shelton.com or call 590-7878. The flowers bloom and the grass grows. is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back. Thank you for joining us here on the Bible Live broadcast. And we are back considering and talking about discussing the book of Acts. Uh, Go back and hear some of the chapters. This incredible book to read. It's just so exciting. And, of course, this week we pick up we're going to pick up at chapter um, 16, and we'll continue on to the end of the book of Acts. But uh, this right tonight, we're talking about chapters, principally chapters 4 through 16. We invite your phone calls, 210-340-9585, and we do have a call on the line. Let's go and see if we can get a hold. Uh, who's on the line, John? Your former co- Give us a call. Who, uh, uh, who is on the line with me? 
This is Jim, uh, Jacob. Is that you? It is I. Oh, Sophie. Good. How it are is you? I. Very good grammar. I, I should have known. Uh, uh, it is I. That, it's me. We usually say in, in West Texas, but it is I is the correct way. I'm so glad to talk to you, Jacob. How are you doing? Well, I'm a regular specimen. I know that a specimen, yeah. right? That's right, a specimen. <laughs> Well, what's hey, going listen, on? Uh, the reason I make this little tidbit interesting, what today is. It is my son's birthday, Sean, uh, oh, <laughs> May the 15th. Well, my, my, yes, well, my information pales in significance, of course. <laughs> oh, um, of course. But tell me what today is. Today is the biblical day of Jesus feeding the 4,000. And it's called Adar Shani. How about that? Say and it, this say, is say the it again. Bi- yeah, it, well, this is the month of Adar, uh-huh. and it's called Sheni, S-H-E-N-I, Sheni. Sheni, Adar Sheni. And that me to tell you how we know that, I'll be I'll delighted. Be, I would love to hear you tell me how we know that. Well, we know the dates from Exodus of when Passover occurred. Of course, that's when Jesus would have been crucified, et cetera, uh-huh. et cetera. And we know for sure that there's a... An, there's a and actually in the book of John you'll find that uh, it actually ties feeding the five thousand to Passover. What he's really doing is Passover, and a month later, which is today, because today is actually a month from that. For all the people that could not attend the five thousand, the Passover, I see. they had because of death in the family, whatever. They then followed up today. This and is that. So this actually, is that second makeup. Passover observance that that people ask um, they were out of town they were traveling or for some reason they couldn't the first, they had it was a month later that so that was the second feeding of of, of the thousands the five thousand that, that that is correct and oh, one of the dead that? giveaways when you, yeah one of the dead giveaways also besides knowing the actual dates which is pretty convincing mm-hmm. but besides knowing that we actually know by the description because it says how they reclined. And see, that's the posture that's required when you do Passover. Very interesting, Jacob. Very interesting. Very. Uh, thank you for calling in to let us know that. I have another question for you. Uh, providentially, they used this before, and maybe you can help uh, um, explain to us the structure of the Sanhedrin. I know there were concentric circles of uh, of power and influence, authority in the Sanhedrin, the governing body, uh, that was the governing body of the uh, of, of Jewish people in that era, right? The Sanhedrin? That is correct, yes. Can you tell me again the, 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 the another group around them and another, perhaps even another group well, around them? Right. The first, the, the first, yeah, you're absolutely right, Sopi. The first ring is the oldest, the most wisest, the elders, and that's made up of one person from each tribe. That's 12. Okay, I see. And then in the second ring would be sort of the middle-aged guys. That's two people from each tribe. And then the third ring would have the younger people who are three from each tribe. And as I say, a person in the inside 12 dies, a person from the second ring would move in, leaving a vacancy in the second ring. Another person would move into the second ring, and then they have to find a recruit. So the circle of 12, and then you have the uh, two from each tribe at 24, and then the three from each tribe is 36. So there's no 70. 36 and 24 is 60, and then you have the 12 is 72. 
There you go. Uh, You've got uh, it. Actually, Soapy, you're 100% right. I am a a math major, you know, so I can add uh, (laughs) Well, you're good at math and arithmetic, arithmetic too, evidently. How about that, yeah. He was the chief, so-called chief priest, which was really not a Levite. He was, Caiaphas and Ananias, of course, were not Levites. They were appointed by Rome or Herod. But... Um, so you have the 70, but as you say, it comes out 72. And the question is, well, why? And it's because they're not counted because they're the center one, so they're not counted in the rings. The other missing one is the one that is present, God. Ah, uh-huh. there you go. Well, should have known that. I should have. Well, I'm glad you called in to tell us that because Maliel and Saul, and the there are several questions of... of Jewish um, authority that we were wondering about here. We know that was Gamaliel was obviously a an admired, respected Jewish leader. Was he a member of the? Inter- I understand the answer would be yes. So he would be one of the twelve. In fact, we know if you really read carefully and be sensitive to it, you'll not only he, but you'll notice that the see James and John, their father. Because remember when yes. Jesus was on trial. Uh, they could let they let uh, John go in because he was known by the guard, right? Yes. Well, that's because his daddy was one of the top twelve there. So what we have is the drama of the story going on, not just about religion and Jesus, but also a personal struggle that one of the, that John's dad was in there. That's why John was allowed in, but but Peter could not go in. Are we talking so, about uh, you're saying? Uh, or at least tradition tells us, or some there, there's some thought that he was a member of the inner circle of the Sanhedrin. That that would be correct. Yes. Wow. And so you get this other little dimension of a human conflict of a father who doesn't want his children led away to something he doesn't buy, or something that's that a, would be dangerous perhaps to his career or well, to his life. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So you not only got Jesus going on trial, and of course. The Sanhedrin is a Greek word. The Sanhedrin is actually appointed, and they are the religious ruling body. And, of course, that's why they hated tax collectors, because they would tax people to pray. I see. And then what they would, then what they do is they they take a little vicarage for themselves. They gave some to Herod, and, of course, much of the money would have to be go back to Rome. So they were stealing from the church, and... That's well. One other question, Jacob. Yeah, that'll teach you to call in like this. Uh, <laughs> one other question is that we were uh, wondering about that, about Gamaliel and about Saul. Saul assumed that there has some kind of a formal arrangement there. But so we, we got into the question of with what authority, for example, Stephen, when we come to chapter 7, Stephen is martyred and people lay their coats at the feet of, uh, of Saul. Uh, mm-hmm. And which, which I have heard at least denoted at least some kind of authority by which he was the, in other words, he in the legal sense he was the, uh, the legal authority. This uh, heretic, I guess from from the Jewish point of view there. So, uh, from the Jewish religious leaders in that moment in that time. So what uh-huh. I'm trying to find out is is so. Is that true then that that Saul occupied that he did occupy some legal, and then he was given a letter from the uh, religious people putting people in jail and so on, uh, for for promulgating this this heresy and so on. So we were a little bit 
we were wondering a little bit about the legality of, uh, in terms of like Rome, this was a religious function, so therefore evidence or authority to act within their purview, within their, the world of the, the, their religious laws and so on. And so evidently they could do that uh, with Stephen and others because under their own auspices, their own authority, uh, the religious leaders. Is that true? Because the, the, the Roman authorities didn't enter in to this, this well, particular... Well, the Romans, the, the Romans had a law yeah. that the Jews could discipline, but they could not kill. So assuming that everything in the Bible is correct, the okay from the Roman authorities, because Ro- Rome would not allow any killing. They would allow other discipline. Uh-huh. But when it, when it says, lays the coat at the feet of Stephen, what at that's the, at, the feet, at the feet of Saul. Uh-huh. Ah, ah, pardon me, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Uh, Street, yes. What that's referring to, that's an idi- idiomatic phrase. What that means is, you recall, the, you can only do death uh, based on a w- two witnesses. Right. I don't know who the coat at, at the, Saul's feet is telling us he was the witness against Stephen. So that's actually more than just the authority. He was the testifying witness that got that poor young man killed. Okay. Well, then I, I knew there was some legality, the the relationships there. It, it is also fascinating to me because, I mean, this this moment in history is so astounding. And it, here you have Gamaliel, who is, you know, a mentor to Saul. And he is the one that warns the the uh, high council, you better be careful. Not a, so Gamaliel was not totally and absolutely... Uh, an anti-Jesus person. He evidently he was holding and reserving the, the possibility that this could be of God. This could be God's man here. Or something. Uh, I get that idea at least. And and I was thinking, who knows? Could that have been a factor in how his his mentor? But he also saw the courage and the faith involved in Stephen's passing when he died, uh, and uh, all of that coming together and. I have a feeling that God had already he he had been working on Saul. He wasn't quite the as confident in his in his opposition to Jesus and this new movement. He he seemed like it. He was he was a hard shell on one side, but there must have been something tender in his heart somewhere in there. He was going, whoa whoa. There's something. Whoa, this could be something to him. Of course, that was the. And that was it. He he, that we have this startling, this stunning turnover in this conversion, and he becomes not only Saul, but he becomes the great apostle Paul of the first century. That the whole book. I mean, not just Saul and Paul and Paul's conversion, but the whole book. It just seems like a movement of God that he just shook the world of that time. Oh, I, no one could dispute that. You're a hundred percent right, and uh, and there is no doubt that. Uh, uh, as you said earlier this evening in your show, there was nobody that was wanting the Messiah more than the Jews. Of course, the guys that are running the Sanhedrin, as I say, the actual priesthood, because uh, yeah. Caiaphas, Ananias, they're not Levites. Had been com- so, because they had actually accepted the religion and authority of Rome. So that's why John the Baptist is down to the Jordan River, because, and he, we know from the book of Luke, is a hundred 
when Pontius Pilate came to town, he killed half of the, the priests in the temple, left the other half alive, so they could go out and tell what a ruthless guy he is, and you better not mess with this guy. But John the Baptist is down at the Jordan River rather than baptizing up at the temple because the temple was totally taken over by the... Which went to John the Baptist because to launch his ministry, he was supposed to go to the rite of purification with the Levites and the priests in the temple, but they were so compromised, he went and found a legitimate Levite, mother and father, John the Baptist, his second cousin. Uh, he, that's why Jesus said, so that to fulfill all righteousness, I'm going to, this is the way I'm supposed to launch my ministry to serve God. And he goes to John the Baptist and uh, it explains a lot of the text, a lot of the, what we see well, in the past. absolutely. And may I add quickly, according to my theory anyway, um, but uh, when he's down there, you'll notice Jesus says, no, we're going to do all righteousness. You see, and then somebody says, well, you know, maybe you should baptize. And Jesus says, I can't. I'm not a Levite. All righteousness, it means that only the Levites can baptize. Right. And, of course, in, uh, in Hebrew, it's mikvah. So Jesus says it must be all righteousness. He's actually saying, I, 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 can't do, I can't do the baptizing. God said in the Torah that only the Levites do. And, and that's yeah. why poor John the Baptist is down there. But they had killed so many people, so many Levites, of course, or Ananias, who are not from the tribe of Levi. They, uh, every morning at sunrise, and this, this is actually well documented, they had to go to Herod's palace, pick up the, the priestly garments. In the, and morning, sunrise, in the morning, right? In the sunrise, in the morning. they had to go get go get the priestly garments, and in the evening, they had to return them, I think, right? Exactly, exactly. so, which is the message. And I really appreciate it. How's your sweetheart? Well, you. I, was just, I was just dying to add that one to 4,000. I think that is so, to me, that kind of stuff is so interesting and so important. It really is. It kind of makes me hungry, too. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you. Say hi to your sweetheart for us. And uh, I appreciate you calling in. I really wait. Let me ask Stacy real quick. Stacy, uh, you've been gleaning from what Jacob's been sharing here. Any questions or thoughts or that you wanted to ask as well? Oh, Jake, hi, hi, Jacob. <laughs> Hello, Stacy. Um, no, it's always so nice to get that perspective. And put you sure on the spot there, but I didn't want to take, take advantage of him. Being I guess right I'm going to go. With, Oh, I want to go with your, uh, yes, uh, well, how is, how is your sweetheart was thrown out there by you, Dad, and Jacob? And, uh, Good. and actually, of course, I did get married during that time that the uh, Chinese bats were attacking. And, of course, uh, Sophie was, because of his exposure, was unable to attend. And I was actually going to let him be my best man, but he was Aww. unable to attend because of the Chinese bat attack. I have to do a... a of anniversary something. A, ma- a makeup game. Or something. Yeah. yeah. We've been sort talking like a, about it. Sort of like feeding the 4,000. There you go. Yeah. Well, again, I appreciate it. All righty. Thank you, and God bless you all. Good Bye-bye. to hear from you. Bye-bye now. Thank you. Uh, let me see if I know how to do that. George Jacob knew how to do it. <laughs> he he right. hung up the phone, right? All right. Well, good. That helps a lot. Some of the questions we were talking about before, and I Sanhedrin, the authority, and so on. But uh, he's kind of up on that stuff from the Hebrew perspective, the Jewish perspective, and we can kind of see that this was such an amazing, an amazing moment. I mean, this this 
this astounding moment when when the Messiah comes. Now, we shouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. because in the book of Galatians, uh, I came to really admire. You just kind of read through it real fast and you don't even take note of it. Uh, think of it this way. A father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children. Those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it is with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were sl- but when the right time came, in just the right moment, God stick to the law, a Jewish, a male uh, Jewish person. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are now his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer mm-hmm. a slave, but God's own child and co-heirs with, with the Messiah, with Christ himself. But the point is, is in just that right moment, and this historically is... Uh, Dr. Al has told us he's a, so amazingly ripe uh, for the coming of the Messiah. We can talk about that when we come back from our break as well. But we're not moving through the book very quickly. Uh, so you two are not uh, you're holding Soapy here accountable. We got a golden moment. And let's mention some of these people and some of these stories that are told to us in Acts 4 through 16. We'll talk about Philip. We'll talk about this uh, this Ethiopian eunuch. We'll talk about Saul, who becomes the great apostle Paul. We'll talk about to send for Peter. So Peter shows up mm-hmm. there. And, and uh, so we'll, we'll try to get some of these pro- people and some of these events, some of these exciting happenings that Dr. Luke, who is the only Gentile writer of New Testament scripture, he wrote the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, and as uh, as Al has pointed out, considered to be a historian par excellence, uh, details, times, place, so, so very plausible and so credible uh, for us. So there's our music. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with the final four zero ninety five eighty five. Would love to hear from you. Any comment or thought or question uh, regarding the Book of Acts or anything about. God's Word, this Bible, this book, the Bible, or what it means to know God in a, in a personal way. That's the basic theme of the Scriptures. We'd love to... You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk. Let me walk close to thee. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Walk with me. Just a closer walk. <laughs> Jesus is oh, my lands. You touched my heart with that one, John. When um, I was a little boy, the lady I thought was my mother, she wasn't actually my biological mom, but she's the one who saved me and got me off the streets as a baby. 
uh, found me. Uh, I had been abandoned as a baby, and she found me. She was a fortune teller, crystal ball, tarot cards, palm reading, that sort of thing. Married five times, got me during her third, separated from her third husband. But I think I had some influence in her life. After I, she sent me out to this boy's ranch, uh, and into a home for homeless and delinquent boys. But I stayed in touch with her two or three years there before she was killed in a car accident, and I wrote her letters about Jesus and about my growing relationship with God and through Jesus. And And I think I had, I think it, there's some evidence in, in old letters that, that I've found in communication that I had somewhat of an effect on her life and, and that uh, when she died, uh, when I was about seven or eight years old, uh, I went to her funeral, and the only things I got inherited from her uh, was, um, well, several things, but a couple of them were two Tennessee Ernie Ford albums, you know, the big 78 long play albums, you know. And uh, I just fell in love with Tennessee Ernie Ford, that gravelly, deep baritone voice. We've gone all tenor these days. Everybody's a tenor ever since the Beatles and whoever, but but, uh, old boy has that powerful baritone voice maybe it'll come back maybe somehow baritones will make their way thank you for that song from tennessee ernie ford john and let's let's see if we can get into this passage now and talk about in the book of acts these chapters that we've covered let's talk about some of these people that we discover along the way we've talked about gamaliel we've talked about stephen this first uh, deacon one of the first seven there was determined to be a deacon in the Jerusalem uh, gatherings, the church as they were gathering. Uh, and at this time, they're, de- they're fairly well in- intertwined with the Jewish community. They're, they're, they're not considered necessarily out. They're, and frankly, they shouldn't be. All they are, uh, they're Jewish men and women who believed, hey, our, our Messiah has come. Uh, they, and so they were not considered, they were just, Jews who believed that Jesus had been the, the complication is it got all mixed up with politics and with power and money and uh, this was that was the complication. But so they're there now. We we heard about Gamaliel, we heard about uh, the Saul, this apostle. These deacons now, the the there were Greek widows in the in the congregations in the among the believers as they met together. They would have a meal together. They would study the scriptures together. They'd pray together, worship together. And so um, st- uh, the, the they began to want to take care of the elderly and the orphans and the children in, in their congregations. And, and the uh, Greek widows uh, complained that they gave notice that they were being overlooked in the food distribution. So seven, quote, deacons were appointed, uh, servants, and they oversaw the ministry of, of ministering to the needs of the congregation in this particular case so that so that the so that the apostles could give attention to the preaching of the word to preach and share the teachings of Jesus with uh the congregations the godly uh, knows the scriptures well and he gets arrested in chapter 7 and um then he gets in political trouble and as was pointed out he is stoned to death, he's the first Christian martyr uh, r- that recorded in history. So Stephen then uh, goes to be with the Lord. And very interesting thing about that, I've always found it very touching when when Stephen is being martyred in chapter seven. He is addressing, he's giving this this 
sermon, this incredible sermon that is a tour de force. He's he's given an over uh, just a, an overview of the Hebrew scriptures, the entire Old Testament. And he talks about Moses, Abraham, then Moses, and he talks about God's work and His redemptive plan for mankind, and he all found bound up in the in the Messiah, and then he ends up talking about Jesus, who is the Messiah, and and. Uh, it says in chapter 7, verse 54, the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's act, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. I mean, he doesn't, what an incredibly courageous uh, person. And they were infuriated and uh, they took up their uh, fists at him. They shook their fists at him in rage. Uh, full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. He saw Jesus, listen to this phrase, he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put the hands over their ears and they began shouting. They cursed at him, they rushed at him, they dragged him out of the city, began to stone him. Their accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. This, uh, this, disciple or student of Gamaliel. And so we they stoned Stephen. Uh, but what I wanted to fix on was he said, I see this, the Son of Man, speaking of Jesus, standing in the place of honor. All through the scriptures, whenever they portray Jesus now ascended to the Father, they portray him sitting at the right hand of the Father. In this one instance, Stephen sees him standing and stands to receive the first martyr. And it just touches my heart to think that the Savior is standing to receive uh, Stephen into his presence. Uh, what, a, what a picture, what a thought it really is. Uh, but that's, that's what we know of Stephen, a powerful man. And his, his death must have had, I believe it, it possibly was that, the combination of that and other things, maybe his uh, mentor Gamaliel. I think Paul was shaken to his core. I think this, uh, this Saul... Although he was very hard shell and very, you know, he was totally against and he was warning against this guy. I don't know if there was politics involved or what it was. He seemed to be sincerely, theologically, uh, spiritually concerned. And yet uh, he was ripe for conversion, I think, because of what he had seen and experienced. Um, I don't know. Al, do you have a thought about that? I was looking at the last uh, verses of that chapter. Uh, we've seen these words by somebody else. Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Yeah, exactly. Jesus on the cross. He also mm-hmm. said, Father, into, my, into your hands I yeah. commend my spirit, Jesus said. Yes. Do not hold this sin against them. Yes. They know not what they do. So it was interesting to me when I read that, that the parallel between Stephen's words and Jesus' words. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't charge them with the sin. And, and with that he died. Um, very, very interesting, very astounding uh, passage. Uh, this this man named Stephen had a tremendous effect. Uh, he's not a pastor. He's who knows the scriptures. I think uh, becomes a model in that sense for what we see here in the church age. The stars of the show in the church age, and we have to say this for people today as well. The the heroes of the church age, the church era, the heroes are not necessarily the vocational full-time people in ministry, not the pastors, associate pastors, the youth workers. It's not the missionaries. It's not the evangelists. 
the heroes, the great heroes of this age, of this era, are John and Mary Christian out there in their community, in their city, in their town, in their workplace, out there sharing the gospel, living the gospel uh, with their neighbors, with their friends who are touching lives. That is the, it's the honor of the, the pastor, the missionary, the, the evangelist, those of us privileged and called to full-time ministry, vocational ministry. It is a tremendous thrill and, 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 and honor. But our joy and our delight is to serve the body of Christ. Our job is to build up and nurture and strengthen and train and equip uh, the the people of God to be the people of God. And that that is the secret to the gospel's incredible spread like wildfire across the Roman Empire and even around the world today. Uh, Remember Jesus said that greater things you will do, talking to his uh, disciples, you're going to do greater things than even I. And I'm sure they they thought, goodness, how could that possibly be? You raise people from the dead, you, you heal people. And yet Jesus was looking forward to this time when all of God's people, because of his finished work, in uh, his life, he he successfully lived a life of faith and trust and obedience and submission, perfect submission to the Father. And then he who knew no sin became sin for us. And and and, and he completed his test of the redeemed, the firstborn of the twiceborn. And then he finishes his sins to the Father so that then the Father now, because of what he had accomplished, now is the time, now God can pour out his spirit upon humanity Every person who puts their faith and trust in Jesus is, is immediately indwelt. And, and the, the foundation of that term indwelt by the Spirit of God is that the tabernacle, the Spirit of God comes to tabernacle with us, to accompany us, just like the tabernacle accompanied the people of Israel through the, 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 the wanderings in the wilderness in the Old Testament. Now the Holy Spirit is accompanying us through this journey through life, and he is assuring, guaranteeing that we're going to be, he's going to deliver us to the Father, perfect without blame, without sin because of the work of Christ. He's going to deliver us. He's going to keep us. But also he's empowering our life and our witness. And the more we know about the commitment that God has for us, his love for us, and this power at work in us, with us, and through us, the potential that that represents, the more bold we are in sharing our faith with our neighbors and friends and people at work and our family members, being the light, being the the salt that we should be. It's just, mm, it, it, you can't overemphasize the, the dramatic nature of this book of Acts. This, this, this total, this change, this, this pivot in the plan of God to, to expand. And, and now the, the, the people of God expand, explode out of Israel. Already believers, uh, they had been to some degree faithful uh, under David, under others. They were always Gentiles who came to faith in, 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 in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But now with the coming of the Messiah himself, there's this explosion. And if, if Jacob were still on the phone with us, uh, he's, he has said and reminded me so many times, no one, no one human being in all the history of mankind has brought more men and women into uh, to, to the relationship with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No human being has brought more converts to follow after the true and living God than this one Jesus of Nazareth. There's just... 
it's just astounding. Now, all around planet Earth, millions, billions of people and through the centuries now have embraced the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the Messiah of God. And it's just um, it, it's just a dramatic moment that has you know, just no real equal, except it's still going on. We can't say it's not it's not over with. We're still there, folks. And Jesus himself said this gospel will be preached to every human being every time. We're seeing that today. And that's why I dared to mention a while ago, uh, I, I've been hear- hearing some teaching this last couple of weeks from preachers and teachers and friends of mine. And, and they say, you know, a lot of times we're praying for revival. God, and, and they've said to me, don't ask God to send revival anymore. He sent it. It's here. The moment is here. God is moving around his people. And you know what? I'm just about ready to believe it. I, I think, you know, and there's nothing in the culture, I think the media, the, where they're kind of, we get some kind of good news and we see people praying like, you know, deep, sincere prayers on the National Day of Prayer and so on all across the nation. And there's nothing that... No one is saying, you know, it's not like the days of the Jesus movement, you know, 50 years ago or whatever. Uh, it's And there are other times, there have been great times of revival in America, the Great American Awakening and so on. But um, the, the folks are telling me it's happening. People all over the nation, God's people are praying, they're gathering. Someone attended, uh, a wife went out to, uh, they went to Austin yesterday to one of these Trump rallies. He said, Sophie was like, it was like a revival meeting. He said, these, these men and women were getting up. They, I mean, they're politicians and all, but they were, they, were, they were reading the scripture. They were praying to God, passionate prayers and calling on God to move among us. And, and, and he said, it, it was just, it was astounding. It's a political thing, but, but the presence of God and the people there, we gathered in small groups and prayed in, in circles. And it, it was just Folks, buckle your seatbelts. Let, let's just, tr- by faith, let's just trust that God is moving. It's, it's a moment. Uh, and if there's something that God puts in your hand, your heart, your mind to do and your, uh, to pray about or to do, just do it and, and act on it. Move. Take that authority and that boldness that comes with being indwelt by God's Spirit. And, uh, and now's the moment. This is, this is a great and important moment for our nation. I got carried away with that, but that's the nature of the Book of Acts, is is we see the world gets shaken, and according to Gibbons and the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, that he points out ten or twelve factors that caused the fall of the Roman Empire, and all ten or twelve of them are related in some way because the impact of the gospel, the impact of this new sense of freedom that was released on the human race had such a social societal impact that it helped bring about, bring down uh, the great Roman empire. So um, it's, there's a lot of stuff to go on here that what God is doing. Uh, Guys, I'm getting uh, uh, unleashed here. So get me back on Stacy. What, what character do you like? Or or Al, which character do you like? I like Cornelius, this Roman army officer in Caesarea, who who loves God's people and and Peter goes to him and they're converted and Peter's conversion is uh, accompanied by the people in his household and speaking in tongues in this case uh, speaking another language without learning it 
only for Jewish people. This is for Jew and Gentile, all human beings everywhere. Because the same sign that was given to Jewish believers when they came into into uh, the knowledge of God through Jesus the Messiah, the same sign was given to these Gentile believers. They received the Holy Spirit, the same sign of speaking tongues, just like their Jewish counterparts. And so it, it was a, a tremendous lesson uh, for the people of God of that era. And, and, I mean, again, like I said, it just busted out of the confines and the limitations of just Judaism, but uh, to men and women all over planet Earth. Uh, Cornelius is one of my favorites. Either one of you want to talk about somebody that you that you read about and hear about? Peter has his own little... Well, Stacy, who you got? Oh, Stacy, you're there. I know you're there, honey. I, I'm here. What, what person, as you look at the um, book of Acts, is there some person that stands out to you, Barnabas? Or? I do love... I Cornelius, yes, absolutely, and I love Peter, uh, and that was, uh, so he was in prison, and that was after, um, am I getting it correct, that his, that James was killed. Yes. Um, is that right? So James was killed. James, the half-brother of and Jesus, the, who was the leader of the, of mm-hmm. the congregation in Jerusalem, had been killed by mm-hmm. Herod, I think. It was. Herod. Herod Agrippa. And then Peter is then... Uh-huh, Herod Agrippa, and then Peter is imprisoned, and the church prays, and the <laughs> angel escorts Peter out of jail I lo- and, and shows up at John Mark's house. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, I mean, it just uh, I think there's a song, isn't there, about that one? But, um, yes, that is wonderful. You asked earlier, I was going to say, you know, what is the difference between a movement and an organization? Yes. And I thought that was a really great um, question, especially because Acts is so much about the church and, of course, and, and, and such movement. And when you think Holy Spirit, and you do think, especially biblically, you do think immediately of movement. I mean, the wind comes, the uh, and, and when you think of Genesis, the Spirit hovered over the face of the waters. Yeah. Um, you think of movement of breath, the breath of God God breathed into man and gave life. And uh, I mean, just even movement in itself demands are kind of a question of, well, where? <laughs> moving towards what? Or moving... And I think maybe that would be a difference between organization and movement would be, especially, of course, a, a movement um, that is biblical, that is God moving, is, well, one, it's, you know, it, well, is that, that it's very clear where we're going. <laughs> um, the movement, I think, defined by God and defined by, is is we are going um to to be with him forever and that is that is our home our eternal destination and i love there's in in john let's see i think it's john uh yeah in john 20 when jesus has has risen and so he's in, in a room and he appears to them and he says peace be with you as the father has sent me i am sending you and with mm-hmm. that he breathed on them and said receive the holy spirit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's, um, I mean, so Acts is awesome and beautiful as far as Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit. But, um, I mean, Jesus breathing on his disciples and saying, peace, and he starts with peace be with you. Uh-huh. And I think that that's something that's marked 
by it's it seems almost um, a paradox because you think of movement as chaotic, but when it's God moving, mm. it's peace. It's filled with peace because we it's finished. <laughs> the cross, we know where we're going, and it's already completed. I mean, we we are on the plane. We have made it. <laughs> we yeah, have exactly. we have made it through baggage claim. We've made it through all of the, and um, we are bound. We're on that train, right? This train is bound for glory. Yeah. Um, we're on that, and and so he and so the movement is marked though by, um, of course, the, the full fruits of the spirit, but. Mm-hmm. Peace, especially, and I love that time. We don't live fearful. We don't live chaotically. We have peace, and you can see that so in 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 Peter when he's imprisoned, in Stephen when he's being martyred, in Cornelius. Well, you know, Cornelius after, and and Paul once he does. There's excitement. There's thrill. There's wow. But there's the wow factor. But but at the core, there, there's peace. It's not something we're having yeah. to, we're not having to gin it up and make it happen. Yeah. It's, it's generated by the presence of God himself. And is there a person that kind of, there's so many individuals you could focus on. Well, I'm struck by uh, Barnabas has been, um, he's mentioned several times oh, yeah. in Acts, but he's not mentioned, I don't think, anywhere outside of Acts. He's kind of a behind-the-scenes guy, but he had such an impact. Go ahead. We've uh. got just about a minute. So he was, uh, he's the one that vouched for Saul after Saul became a a believer and became Paul. He had to vouch for him in front of all the disciples because they didn't trust him. Mm -hmm. And the church in, 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 back in uh, the church where they came out of, and he was accompanied Paul on his first missionary journeys as well. Absolutely. Barnabas, a tremendous individual, a discipler of men, no doubt about it. Restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. And make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.